Welcome to this episode of Ms. Law Explains Things. Hi and welcome back to another episode. So this is a double episode this week because I think that we need to do a bit of revision also on our macro and I'll be talking a bit about our demand and supply. So today's article we're looking at is no returning to pre-COVID world with trade and business change irrevocably, says uh, Minister Chan Chun Singh. Okay, so very interestingly, I think a lot of the listeners to this podcast, we have learned about things like macroeconomics, so aggregate demand and aggregate supply, as well as trade, right? So briefly, we have some idea of trade. So interestingly, because of COVID-19, a lot of the nature of business and trade has actually been affected to a large extent. Okay, and this is going to stay true even after the global economy recovers. So let me just highlight a few broader trends. Number one, rising geopolitical tensions, right? As well as number two, the reorganization of supply chains by multinational companies. People used to do business very differently before COVID, and now we have decided we need to adapt our processes in order to be more efficient and to be more adaptable. I think the key word here is to be adaptable and flexible to remain competitive in the world economy. And Singapore also has to take a leave from this book. So of course, a lot of us have been hoping for a quick recovery, as this article says, but no, we are not going to return to where we were before. The recent economic figures have showed that Singapore's economy has shrunk by 13.2%. This is a good piece of information if you would like to mention it somewhere. The nation's gross domestic product, as I said, has shrunk 13.2% compared to the same quarter last year. And the government has downgraded the growth forecast to a range of about negative 5 to negative 7%. So let's look at four areas as this article states that the global economy has changed and how Singapore can adapt. So number one, geopolitical tensions. So there have been a lot of tensions between different powers, right, different countries recently because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's a lot of a blame game going on. And there's a lot of tension that spills over into things like trade, technology and security. So what happens on the political standpoint also actually feeds into trade. A lot of the trade agreements that we see today are actually fueled by all of these tensions. So, for example, even recently, the United States and China have been in this sort of like argument about the use of messaging apps, right? And they feel that oh, there's some kind of security concern. Because of that, you know, countries such as Singapore must avoid being caught in between these conflicts because there's been a lot of fragmented trade relations in recent times. So think about it. If people you know, are suspicious of one another, they are not going to want to buy your exports. And because of that, net exports will fall. Aggregate demand will also fall, right? So because of that, the nature of trade has also changed as uh, some of these companies that also start to review the need for regional headquarters, right? Remember, they used to have regional headquarters and that was how businesses tended to work. But now it's become very decentralized. And the way that they organize their production is also very different. They used to centralize everything in one place in order to some degree, they think that there are some economies of scale, right? Maybe they think that if I situate lots of farms that, you know, produce a similar product, there will be some uh, external economies of scale when the industry expands as a whole. But now, because of the current restrictions, they need to rethink the way that they are going to actually organize production. So many, many manufacturers now are no longer building factories in places they can be efficient, 
But more important, the buzzword here is remember adaptability. I said now we are talking about diversification. We, in order to survive in the current pandemic, we need to diversify our supply chain so that we are not dependent. If one factory is wrought by a certain you know, supply shock or a problem like the pandemic, we cannot say, oh, we're going to shut down business. No, there needs to be diversification in order to ensure that revenue continues to be generated. Right, so some manufacturers actually, interestingly, are thinking of a China plus one strategy because usually what would people think? They would say, oh, we want to actually gravitate towards a low-cost country where we can produce goods at a lower cost because if you can produce at a lower cost, your profit can go up. Your revenue uh, remaining constant, your profit will go up because profit is the... Uh, the difference between revenue and cost, right? So people used to think the old thinking is, yes, I will just go to certain countries where things are tried and tested. Now, people are actively looking at Southeast Asia and this is where Singapore comes in. Singapore can be that plus one. Singapore has the possibility because now it is the, the sole manufacturing site for some multinational companies and it can start to attract investment. So think about it now, Singapore itself, even though we are going through this pandemic, into the future, we can get out of this economic recession by gaining new investment. Think about foreign direct investment. People are going to start to invest in other countries because it's going to be more favorable, number one. Number two, they also want to diversify. Hey, of course, there could be some loss of business if people don't want to just concentrate all of their business in Asia. But at least for this Asian um, idea, at least there's going to be some investment. So investment can increase via the multiplier effect. We can have a more than proportional increase in real national income and therefore, we have, yes, we have actual economic growth. And also do keep in mind that when investment increases, it also accumulates our physical capital stock. And that actually allows us, remember building all of these factories, it's an accumulation of capital. So we have an increase in the quantity of our resources and therefore productive capacity. Therefore, our long-run aggregate supply curve should also shift to the right. So we have both actual and potential economic growth. So interestingly, Singapore is actually very well placed to harness some of our competitive advantages which I want to go through with everyone. If you ever want to include an evaluative comment in your essay, think about what is this added age that Singapore has relative to other countries. It's all about relative comparison. It's not saying that Singapore is the best. Uh, Singapore has it all figured out. It's just that Singapore has some relatively better you know, uh, aspects that you know can be harnessed, such as, number one, legal certainty. Number two, intellectual property protection, connectivity, right, and some degree of uh, political consistency to overcome our constraints. So what are our constraints? Let's go back to that. Number one, we have limited land. Number two, we also have a limited labor force. right? And therefore, there needs to be some uh, level of uh, migration or immigration. Okay. So we added that a lot of countries such as the US are going through tax overhauls. And because of that, it will affect companies' investment decisions overseas. Right? So think about what affects the level of investment. Things like corporate tax. If your corporate tax goes up, your after-tax profits will actually decrease. And because of that, you are going to be less willing to invest because your expected profitability also goes down. 
So he said many countries are spending more than they are bringing in and there's pressure for them to also collect more tax from their MNCs, which is worse than what I just said about increasing the corporate tax. Because you feel like, oh, how come they're earning so much profits? Ah? But if you tax MNCs, they may not want to invest in your country. And because of that, there's also a lot of pressure for companies to do more in their home countries instead of like, you know, expanding upwards. It's like, you're not even creating job opportunities in your own country. Why are you going to another country, right? So that's the kind of mentality that's happening. And another thing is that the COVID-19 pandemic has also made this very real idea of working remotely, which affects many PMETs, professional manager, executives and technicians. And there will be also more global job opportunities because people can do their jobs remotely. So look at that, this is an amazing article. We even have the idea of globalization, which is the free movement right, of goods, services, people, resources across borders. Okay, so... Because now technology, we can harness technology, right? We are able to work remotely. So someone who actually has a job in Berlin can be working from here, right? In Singapore. And this also allows uh, a lot of our various citizens, right? To gain employment in not very standard and conventional ways, okay? Because of the COVID-19 pandemic also, at the same time, let us recall that the negative impact on economic growth has caused the economic pie to diminish. And because of that, there is going to be a higher level of income inequality. So as a government and as a country, besides pursuing things such as efficiency, you know, uh, employment, all that stuff, there's also broader things we need to think about like equity, as well as the tension and the divide between foreign and local residents. Because of the call for greater protection and self-interest, Right, there has been this very important idea of redistribution because more has to be done to take care of those who are affected by the pandemic because they are going through job and business loss and we need to strengthen the social fabric. So we could obviously allow this would be the best time for us to rethink the way that we want to redistribute income because economic pie is becoming smaller. So we need to be more careful about how we are distributing it. Right, and we need to think about the best way possible also to improve the situation. So there's lots of ways, right? We can do increased government spending, we can give tax rebates, but at the same time also recall that the best way also to equip people for the future is to give them the right skills. Because just giving them transfer payments actually makes them rely on these kinds of benefits. And that is not actually good in the long run because people become overly dependent. Instead, it is much better to equip them with the necessary skills in the new economy. The new economy is becoming more digitized. It's more dependent on technology. People need to be able to harness technology and able to continue to adapt themselves right, to the current situation. The whole idea is about being adaptable, both as an economy as well as an individual agent within the economy. So if you have to be competitive, you need to make sure that you have the necessary skills to do the job. And in order to do that, I think the most important thing is for people to be open-minded and to continue to reskill and retrain. So basically, supply-side policy, right? You need to go for reskilling, retraining programs. You need to not shy away from the idea of, you know, learning new skills as you actually do your job, as you actually progress through your career. So having a mid-career change, you know, going for a mid-career master's, that should not be something that is strange or new to any of us. It should be something that actually becomes part of us. Okay, so besides looking at demand-side policies which are influencing aggregate demand, think about ways that we can not only influence aggregate demand but aggregate supply at the same time. Because if we only shift AD, we're going to have inflationary pressure. And that's a very bad problem. 
Instead, we want non-inflationary sustained economic growth, which means that both the AD and AS increase in tandem, such that both the real national income increases along the axis, as well as there is very minimal impact on the general price level, so close to, close to non-inflationary. So I hope that this article, you might want to read it also, it's inside the link to this uh, podcast description. It gives you a lot of ideas that help you to form uh, your concepts of ADAS, right, as well as some broader ideas about trade and globalization. Thank you, and I will see you in the next episode.